When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies are born, they spend a lot of time sleeping. Well, they need to sleep, but what's not so easy is making it happen. The earlier the better. It just goes downhill the later it gets. And the grumpier they get, all the more amped they are. I suppose I was really quite structured with the first when they were a baby and I had a real routine. But as I've had more and more children, it's more slap happy actually. Like most parents, you're kind of fed up by the end of the day and you want your kids to rush off to bed. Children, come and sit near the radio. This time, you say the rhyme with me. Hop a little. And over the years, there have been a lot of bedtime stories, songs, even radio programs devoted to cultivating that sleepiness in our children. Yawn a little. Great big yawn. Sleep a little. You pretend to sleep in your bed. And while we tend to focus on getting infants off to bed, poor sleeping habits can affect all ages. When I had the twins, they reached nine months and they still weren't sleeping through the night. And I was so tired. I said, I'm not feeding them anymore in the middle of the night. So I let um, them cry. And after like three days, they were sleeping all night long. Nine months of waking up all the time was just, oh, insane. They would try some little tricks to get out of going to bed, like stories or even try and tidy things to stop going to bed. I have a teenager who fluffs and fluffs and fluffs around and doesn't get to bed very quickly. She just sort of needs to do, as she's told, and she get to bed. But whatever the age, they all need sleep. Sleep is vital for brain development and physical health. It wasn't till I was a parent of a newborn with reflux that I realised why sleep deprivation was a torture strategy. So we need our babies to sleep for both their health and for our sanity. So this is Catherine Gallagher, a clinical psychologist and mother, who says it's important for children to learn to control their own sleeping habits. Probably about 25% of infants are going to have sleep problems at any one time. And about 10% of these are going to um, develop some quite problematic sleep issues. So, you know, first of all, it's pretty common, but actually most will resolve. But there are some where some intervention is going to be required. She says it's worth noting that any problems up to the age of six months aren't really considered sleeping issues. So interventions probably won't work in that case anyway. But that won't stop your friends and family from weighing in with every kind of advice about why your child isn't sleeping. People can hold really strong opinions about sleep routines, and so it's important to go with what is working for you. Although it is important to answer these two questions. Is what you're doing sustainable? And is it teaching your infant or your baby to self-regulate and to settle to sleep on their own? So if your child is not sleeping on their own, there could be a few reasons for that. Not least the fact that when you think about it, for a kid, sleep is a strange business. We close our eyes and go unconscious. And even though as adults we go, yay, end of the day, could do with a bit of unconsciousness. For kids it's like, what? 
this is kind of weird. And if I'm a bit anxious, then, you know, there's mum there and suddenly I close my eyes and mum's not there. You know, there can be a whole lot of confusion about this whole concept of sleep that everybody else wants me to get and I don't particularly want to. But she says children who can get over that hump will have fewer problems down the track. Research shows pretty consistently that infants who are put into their cot asleep often go on to develop sleep problems because they're not learning how to settle to sleep on their own. So if you are feeding them to sleep or they are asleep before you put them down, again, research would indicate that that's where some difficulties might come up. And so it's in this early phase that many people turn to controlled crying. So graduated controlled crying, in other words, developing and sticking to a routine of settling your child and then allowing them to cry with some minimal checking and support, works. And that's really important to hear. And for some, it's a huge relief. Well, it's not nice when your baby cries, is it? But they're safe and they're not hungry and they're not cold. You know, if nothing's actually wrong, I think they can cry for a little bit. It's all right, you know. <laughs> and honestly, three days and we were through it and they were fine. But the most important thing, Catherine Gallagher says, is that this happens in a loving family environment where there are already safe and consistent parenting practices. So unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad press around controlled crying with some even saying it's tantamount to child abuse as it disrupts attachment and develops learned helplessness in the child. There's no evidence to support this. If the program is done properly with support and other aspects of the relationship are secure. So if a control crying um, program is put in place where in actual fact there are lots of difficulties in that relationship and the child fundamentally isn't feeling safe, or um, there's inconsistent responses to them at lots of other times in the day, then yeah, that can be problematic. But if those other factors are in place, then in fact, um, kids learning to settle themselves can be a really healthy part of development. And then once the child's managed that, the next step is navigating nightmares and other unpleasant nighttime experiences. During the night, he might wake up and he might say, monster, monster, but we just, yeah, reassure him, comfort him. We've tried um, the girls sleeping together. Um, when they were little, that worked for a short period of time. But our oldest used to have night terrors, and so they were really disruptive. Catherine Gallagher says any kind of nighttime anguish is hard for parents, but in the case of night terrors, she says children will often have no recall of what's happened to them, whereas nightmares might require more intervention. They may well need some emotional support at that time to um, make sense of that experience and to, you know, just reconnect. Um, and then, you know, with a little bit of support, and then being back in bed and, you know, going off to sleep. I think with nightmares, um, if they're recurrent, again, useful to, to look at what stresses the child's under. Um, you know, are there some ways that they can, once they wake up, take control of that nightmare and, and rewrite it and kind of bring themselves out as the, as the hero? And it always pays to be prepared. Rather than cross your fingers and hope for the best, it's about having a plan. So, you know, you might have your nightmare kitchen kit beside the bed so that when they have one, that as a parent you can be alongside the child going, OK, yep, that's what's happened. Let's have a cuddle. Let's take some deep breaths. Let's know that that was your brain tricking you because that's what brains do. And let's do some things that help soothe and settle, a bit of massage or tickle, and then supporting the child to resettle. And then the other thing parents need to get their heads around is that children are individuals. They won't all do the same thing. I like to sleep a lot, and I know two of my children in particular are the same as me. And then the sort that when you go to a party or you go out late at night, I found one of them once, and he was sleeping behind the couch. <laughs> I 
there's other ones in the family when they get tired they run around like lunatics and they get really hyper you know so I think kids react differently to being tired and um, one reads for a while they're also different and bedtime will mean different things for different children depending on what's going on for them if life's particularly busy for the family that bedtime might be the time when suddenly they've got mum and dad and they're going to grab on like limpets and not let go so to have some dedicated time not necessarily even in bed but just that there's some connecting time that happens so that it doesn't always get associated with separation at bedtime now would you say good night little people on you say good night little people and good night all the little girls and boys and good night all the little girls and boys Good night. In the end, most of us came up with a few strategies to help get them nodding off. One of my children, when she was about one, I think she couldn't sleep, and so I put a clock in her room and it ticked, and she used to listen to this ticking noise and it used to help her go to sleep. It worked really well. He'll always demand his bottle of milk before he goes to bed, and uh, we'll place it in the room and say, when you're ready to go to bed, you take it and then go into bed. And he's getting the concept now at two and a half that you can actually do that. They'd pick a song, like just something short, like Speed Body Boat, ridiculous. But we'd sing a song before they went to sleep and they really enjoyed it. We've had to go through a whole bunch of processes, meditation. They had a certain value, just a calming discussion about talking about life. My eldest really likes to know about the history of everybody growing up. So we got a little couch in the corner of her room and just lie on that and talk. She likes that. And then sometimes, if your child keeps getting up and up and up, Sometimes you've just got to put your foot down. There's that idea of just putting a couple of choices in front of the child. If It might be a reward system for staying in bed. You are the ultimate reward as a parent, so that I'll come back and check on you if you're quiet and not calling out. Um, if you hop out of bed, then, you know, again, choices around that. So that the child, of course, is going to make the wrong call, is going to hop out of bed, is going to take some time to settle, but that they then get the consequence or the reward attached to that. And that's how we learn. And while she says many of the tricks that parents come up with are useful, including things like mindfulness or breathing techniques, ultimately children need to be empowered to sort this out for themselves. There's no silver bullet for getting your child to sleep. It's about self-regulation and calming. So in fact the child is going to have to go through a phase or a stage of feeling unsettled before they sleep. And that's actually life. So we can't help the child avoid that. What we have to do is help the child tolerate that and be settled enough to slip off to sleep. And that's us for today. This podcast was presented and produced by me, Katie Gossett, with musical wizardry by Adam McCauley, and Tim Watkin was our executive producer. The historical audio comes to us courtesy of Na Taonga Sound and Vision and Archives New Zealand. And if you enjoyed the show, then review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out other new RNZ podcasts like The Long Way Home. And don't miss our next episode when I'll be talking about parenting when there's been a divorce or separation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 